It's Wednesday on Weagle, and that means it's time for some tailgate talk with Christian and Donovan, your go-to for all things college football. So get ready for a recap and a breakdown of all the college football scores, news, and predictions. So drop your tailgates, grab your playbooks, and get ready to talk some football. Great news, everybody. After testing the waters and trying to find a better show to go to, Donovan has officially taken his name out of the transfer portal and has chosen to remain at tailgate talk yeah it was, it was it was a tough decision you know i just with with everybody you know mixing around i got a little cold feet i said well is there something better for me out there can i get more money somewhere else uh that's a definite yes i probably could but uh no you know i thought you know what no i i like what we've built here and i, I want to stay on and continue to see what we can do it's a very heartfelt message <laughs> well uh What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1 FM. Whether you're tuning in live on the radio, on the Weagle website, or on Spotify, we thank you for for spending a few minutes with us this afternoon. My name is Christian Griffin, and alongside me is the soundboard technician who hopefully has our show recording this week, Donovan Weaver. Yeah, you know, I've kind of, I've had a couple mishaps this semester, whether that be muting your voice altogether to opening up a show. I remember, I think uh, like a month or month and a half ago, you had this really nice intro and just none of it. <laughs> and then they didn't hear a single word of it because I just didn't have your mic on. But no, uh, apparently I screwed up the recording uh, last week, so our live broadcast didn't, that that didn't get on the uh, Spotify. So if you did listen to the Spotify uh, recording uh, last week that was from Friday, and yeah, we just act, we just acted like we were gonna do it on Wednesday. But no, I, I biffed that one pretty good. Yeah, no, it's all good though. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and look at our show breakdown for the week. We're gonna start off with a championship recap over the past or from the past this past weekend with the four big games. Uh, we're gonna look at the Heisman finalists. The four names were revealed, and we're gonna talk about a couple snubs that might might have deserved their shot, but won't be in New York City. Uh, then, as mentioned earlier, we're going to mention the transfer portal. I feel like that's a, a crazy thing going on as that opened up a couple of days ago. And we're going to finish it off with a college football playoff look ahead. And so, if you're ready, let's go. Let's get it going. Okay, so first off, we did have the Pac-12 championship. Uh, Christian asked here that Utah stole college football playoff hopes from USC as they defeated them 47-24. to I would like to shout out myself for saying Cameron Rising would rise to the occasion. He certainly did. He went 22 of 34, passing with 310 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, Utah ran for th- uh, 223 as a team. But I think a big uh, just thing coming out of this, uh, I didn't write this down or anything, was just uh, Caleb Williams' heart. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, he was hurt the whole game. I know Lincoln Riley wanted to take him out several times. He said, no, I'm going out there. Even that final drive, I remember I was watching it, and I was thinking, why are you out there? Like, y'all can't win. Just sit on the bench. You're hurt. But just kind of that heart to uh, go out there and uh, finish the season with your team. But, no, uh, Utah looked very impressive in this game. They did. Shout out again. Yeah, Caleb Cameron Rising, I'm sorry, uh, against USC in their two games that he played. He went 52 of 78, had 725 passing yards and eight total touchdowns. That's pretty good. That's a that's a kryptonite for a team. And USC's only two losses, once again, Caleb Williams, two pretty uncharacteristic turnovers late in the fourth corner to seal the win for the Utes. But, yeah, again, shout-out to Caleb for the heart. You saw him after that final drive. It's like he's walking with one leg 
basically on on the ground dragging behind him. Yeah, you could tell he was off. And I think, uh, I mean, one of your big key statistics why you thought USC was going to win and why, same thing, was a turnover margin. Yeah. And as you see, USC finally lost that. They um two crucial interceptions, especially that last one. I remember they were driving down the field and – it was that was just like a not, not maybe the second to last one they were driving down the field just a it was a bad pass like a bonehead decision shouldn't have thrown it very unlike Caleb Williams as in my opinion one of the smarter quarterbacks in college football but you could tell not having his legs that hurt him that hurt Definitely. him bad yeah and I mean I mean it, it obviously would if that's what you rely on for a lot of your offense but you could tell he just wasn't quite right and I I think a lot of that probably was injury I don't think that was him not playing up to his level I just think he just wasn't. He, he wasn't healthy that day. Well, that was that, too, and the fact that he had three starting linemen out in the second half that he's used to having protect him. So if you're missing three key pieces right there, that's that's a hard piece of the puzzle that you're trying to, <clears throat> that you're trying to work around. Uh, from a Utah perspective, though, man, it's kind of – it's been – I mean, obviously you win the Pac-12. It's a great season, but you, you recap this season as a, a three-loss team and you take away the UCLA loss – you travel down to Gainesville in week one and you lose by a field goal. You throw a pick in the end zone. Or just two or three weeks ago, you travel to Eugene, Oregon, and lose by a field goal. If you win one or two of those games, you could possibly see Utah in the spot that Ohio State's in right now as a Pac-12 champion who would overjump or would jump over the four spot and take over Ohio State's spot because they could be a legitimate one-loss Pac-12 championship team. Yeah, and, and it's 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 kind of unfortunate for the Pac-12 because the Utes did win it last year too. So congratulations on back-to-back Pac-12 championships. But it's just another year that they don't get a team in the playoff. You know, Oregon's won a couple times, but it just seems like every year they just kind of almost shoot themselves in the foot and they kind of beat each other, and that's kind of what happens. And the Pac-12 doesn't quite have that ump of the SEC where maybe a two-loss SEC team could get in because people value the SEC game so much. Whereas if you're a Pac-12 team or you're like you're a TCU in the Big 12, like you, if you don't win your conference, or sometimes even if you do win your conference, you better only have one loss or you're not getting in at all. So yeah. it's just kind of unfortunate for the Pac-12. But congratulations to Utah. That was a heck of a game. They beat a, what I think one of the best teams in the country in uh, USC. Uh, but we're going to move on to the Big 12 championship game. Another upset, well, I mean, well, the, the point spread was very minimal on this one, so I don't know if it's a major upset, but Kansas State uh, did avenge its regular season loss to TCU, defeating them 31-28 to in overtime. Uh, uh, Chris's boy, Max Dugan, just had a heck of a game, showed a lot of heart, especially in the fourth quarter, and that's really when it comes a lot. But I know you have uh, a couple of things to say about this game, so I'll just kind of throw it to you. Man, uh it's hard saying that a a player or players deserve to win a championship, but a coaching decision doesn't. I don't see if you're TCU and you have third and goal at the one-yard line that you take the ball out of Duggan's hands, not once, but twice. I, I understand the the handoff on third and goal trying to get it, but on fourth down, you essentially run the exact same play and you take the ball out of your best player's hands, who I think has the most undervalued heart in all of college football. I feel like that's something that we talked about last week of how I think he deserves a trip to New York City, which congratulations, he did. Or Yeah, he did get one. But there's, there's certain intangibles that players have that you can't measure with statistics, and I think that Mac Duggan's heart is one of those things. I mean, you look at that fourth-quarter drive – 
that he led when they were down by eight. He had a 15-yard run, a 13-yard run, a 19-yard run, a 40-yard run, and an eight-yard touchdown run all in two minutes. To think that you're you're running three quarters of a football field in under two minutes, I mean, it shows the heart that he has. He, he went into the end zone to score and was on his hands and knees and had to get picked up by his offensive lineman because he was absolutely gassed. And then at that point it wasn't like, oh, okay, uh, let's kick the, kick the extra point and tie it. No, we got to run a two-point play now to just tie the game. And they end up doing that, and he was literally being carried off the sideline because he was absolutely gassed. I mean, you tell me that that's, that's not someone you want under center in a third and goal or a fourth and goal to win you a championship. I, mean, I, just, it, I, don't, I don't understand the call. Yeah, like even in overtime, he, he had that run to get down to the one-yard line. He stretched out. Yeah. I mean, the, the second effort, he had, to, he had to make somebody miss to even come close. And it just – it's like that age-old adage, like where you think the obvious play is right there, and the coach doesn't run it. And again, hindsight's twenty twenty. But I feel like the one that kind of jumps out to me was was it twenty fourteen Super Bowl where all you have to do is get the ball to Mar- uh, Marshawn Lynch <laughs> yeah. and you win. I mean, you do win. He's going to get in yeah. there, and you throw this slant play that you're just like, what are you doing? And yeah, on that, th- I could see the third down. You, I-, I could see plausibly why they ran that third down, but you got stuffed. So why do you think it's going to be any different on fourth down? I I don't know. And, again, I, I'm a big believer you give the ball to the best player on the field. And Max Dugan, I mean, he, he's the best player on the field, and he ca- he literally carries you to that overtime. I don't know why you didn't trust him to win you the game right there. Yeah, I feel like if – the play that I had drawn up in my mind, I was watching it, I was like, just run a QB power. Just run it. That's all you had to do. You ran it on second down to get down to the one-yard line to get that first down and or to get to the third down, I'm sorry – but the power was working all game. You have a 6-2 quarterback who puts everything into that offense and everything into that team. If he gets stopped twice, you tip your cap and say, all right, you got beat two plays. But to essentially take the game out of his hands and take a championship out of his hands, and, I mean, I feel like you could go as far as saying take a Heisman Trophy out of his hands because a win in the championship at such a key moment like that just adds to the resume that he would have been able to build. Yeah, but I uh, can't. I mean, this isn't all doom and gloom. Kansas State did play a heck of a game. They so did. You, you have to give him credit. Uh, Will Howard, a backup quarterback, he he. I, I think he he showed that he can play. And unfortunately, I, I think the uh, God, who's the starter? I'm blanking on his name right now. Adrian Martinez. Adrian Martinez. Yeah, he, I think he's gonna be back for the bowl game. So. Congratulations to Will Howard on getting his moment. And uh, also uh, Deuce Vaughn, the running back for uh, Kansas State, dropped 130 with a touchdown. So, I mean, of course, I, I don't think TCU just out and out lost this game, but I feel like that one coaching decision might have. Uh, uh, again, nothing to take away from the Wildcats. It was a heck of a game, but it's just kind of sad to see, especially in the postgame press conference when kind of Max was talking about, like, why they should be in the playoff and, like, how the, how just how much heart they're going to show um, – and I believed it because, again, in my opinion, maybe they wouldn't have won that game. We'll say the score of that touchdown. Maybe you, you wouldn't have won that game, but, I mean, you could have. So, I don't know, boneheaded coaching decision there. But that does lead us to the SEC championship. And uh, as I predicted, uh, this game really wasn't close. Uh, Georgia defeating LSU 50-30. to 30. I feel like that's almost misleading. Georgia kind of uh, opened up a can of whoop butt on them. But, uh, 
But th- this game for about uh, half a quarter, actually, I thought, I was like, man, this actually could be pretty close. And then probably the worst thing ever could happen. You get a blocked field goal, and you just run out to the sidelines thinking the play's dead. And then Georgia returns it for a touchdown. And then ever since then, Georgia put the pedal to the metal, and it was n- nonstop. They just kind of blew him out of the water. Yeah, it was. I think there's two plays early in the first quarter that described this game as a whole, and it's that blocked field goal and then the interception off the helmet. You're watching that game as an LSU fan, and you're like, oh, boy, it's just it's just one of those games. It's one of those days, and it doesn't help when you're playing – uh, the best defense in the country, I think, if not the best complete team in college football this year. Stetson Bennett, 23 of 29, 274 yards, four touchdowns. Another day at the office uh, when you have when you have receivers and running backs like that. It makes makes his job easy. Kendall Milton, over 100 yards. Kenny McIntosh, two touchdowns. I will give credit where it's due. LSU did have over 500 passing yards in this game, which we'll get to it later, but if you're if you're a Buckeye fan, you see how explosive that offense can be uh, when healthy. I'll say that uh, Jackson uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba is not playing, but uh, a healthy Buckeye offense is a very very hard team to stop through the air. Uh, but more importantly, Georgia does something that they didn't get to do last year on their way to the national championship, and that is, I guess, make a pit stop at the gas station for an SEC championship. Yeah, again, I think it goes back to these. Uh, how much do these conference championship and bowl games that aren't the national championships really matter. And I, I think they should matter a ton where, yeah, Georgia didn't get it last year. And, and I think Josh Pate said this where everybody said, it's the same teams every year. But Georgia hasn't won an SEC championship since like 2017 against Auburn. Yeah. I think that was the last one. So that's five years ago. I mean, that's, that's a little significant amount of time for one of the best teams in college football over the past six, seven years. So, no, I think these games are important. And, again, while you might have thought you knew what the outcome was going to be, again, LSU did look like they were going to hang in there for a little bit. But, again, I feel like you got those two gut punches. And when you're playing, in my opinion, the best team in the country, you almost have to have either a perfect game or the, the other team has to play really bad. And Georgia didn't play really bad. So And then you got super unlucky, which kind of leads to the result that you saw. But we are going to take a quick break. We are going to come back with the Michigan-Purdue game. We'll just kind of – basically say how Michigan handled them. It wasn't really that close. And then we'll get into uh, little Heisman contenders. We have four people, four finalists uh, officially, but you're listening to Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back to Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1 FM. Real quick, we're just going to run down the Michigan-Purdue game. Again, pretty much what we thought. Michigan kind of handily wins 43-22. to uh, Donovan Edwards, uh, backup running back for Michigan, went for 185 yards on 25 carries and a touchdown, filling in those shoes for Blake Corum, who, I'm not going to lie, we, we'll talk about this a little later, I, I think kind of got snubbed for a Heisman, uh, even though he got hurt. I, I feel like he should have might been there, and I know a lot of people thought Hinton Hooker might should have been there, but we'll talk about that later. What did you see from Michigan in this yeah, game? Yeah, I agree. The fact that we have to say backup running back with numbers like that, again, 25 carries, 185 yards, uh, you wouldn't have if you if you weren't a Michigan fan and you just heard those numbers, you wouldn't think that that's a a second string type of guy. Uh, I mean, it it was just dominance from Michigan. Their defense looked really well. JJ McCarthy looked really well. He didn't have to do too much. Went 11 for 17, three touchdowns. He did have one interception, but it was in a time that didn't necessarily matter. I think Michigan looks a lot more complete than they did last year. I think. I think last year it was almost, I don't want to say a shock to get there because every year when you're in the preseason, your ultimate goal is to play for a championship, and they did uh, in the semifinals. But they seemed a little out of sorts last year. They looked surprised. Uh, this year it looks like they're expectant of of dominance, and, and they've shown that. 
No, I think they have, and I think they're serious contenders to win it all. I know a lot of people are kind of looking at this playoff thinking, oh, Michigan's going to run through the tables, but – uh no, I, Georgia. I uh, sorry Georgia. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Uh, Georgia just kind of run through these tables, and it's not even going to be close. But I think Michigan is going to have a thing to say about that, and so is Ohio State, and also TCU. I think they got a lot of heart. But uh, also, uh, I forgot to mention this before the uh, end of the break because I don't think a lot of people knew this, but Clemson did play Saturday in the they ACC did. championship. They defeated North Carolina 39 to 10, and I would like to admit real quick that I called it. I said DJ. The guy I don't say the last name of because I can't pronounce <laughs> it. He is officially he is officially transferring. Yeah. Um, we I think we we both pretty much thought that he wouldn't be QB one next year. But I did say that it wouldn't surprise me if he did transfer out. So Clay uh, Cade Klubnik is officially QB one. Uh, he went twenty of twenty four for two hundred forty nine yards and two touchdowns. And I think you have a little something you want to say to Clemson fans. Yeah, I just want to apologize to Clemson fans. Um, you know, I know that you're. You're really hard on your coach for, you know, winning 11, 11 games this year. Uh, so I, ju- I just want to apologize. I mean, you've won 11. You could win 12 if you beat Tennessee in the Orange Bowl. And I know that's a really tough position to be in. So heart prayers with you all. Um, hope you all are going to be okay. How about I say Tailgate Talk sends its thoughts and prayers of yeah. the, the, the Clemson faithful because we know how hard it is. I mean – I mean, golly, could you imagine winning 11 or 12 games this year for Auburn? <laughs> oh, God, I, I, don't, I don't know if I could handle that. But, no, uh, Clemson taking care of business. They will play Tennessee in, in the Orange Bowl, which I think is going to be one of the better bowl games that people should look out for, especially with Hinton Hooker out. I feel like that could be a really tight one, and I'm, I'm ready to see what Cade can do in there. But let's go ahead and get to the Heisman contenders. Uh, we have four finalists, and I'll kind of throw this to Christian to kind of set this up. Yeah, so it's the first, ironically, we think we hear it just as a QB award, but it is the first all-quarterback finalist room since 2018. Uh, granted, I guess that's only been four years, but the fact that you know we do have a receiver winning it in those four years with Devontae Smith. Uh, yeah, the first four, three of the four are actually in the college football playoff. First one is Caleb Williams. I think he's the, the favorite. Uh, I, th- I think that's fair to say. Uh, then C.J. Stroud, the Ohio State quarterback, my guy, Max Duggan, and then the dark horse, and then we're not talking about Bo Nix here as the dark horse for the Heisman, uh, Stetson Bennett, a name that you know is not necessarily the most popular name, but we'll get to him in a minute because I do have some things to back him up. But first, we'll start with Caleb Williams. Uh, I mean, a heck of a year. You go 10-2, and two, your only two losses are to Utah. Over over 4,000 passing yards, 37 touchdowns, four interceptions, uh, added 372 rushing yards, and 10 rushing touchdowns. So 47 total touchdowns. That's a solid career for some players, much less a a, a sophomore quarterback in a first-year first system with, with Lincoln Riley at USC. But the question for you is how much did that Pac-12 loss hurt his odds? And then if you are looking at those, that turnover – or those turnovers in the fourth quarter. If you take, if you put those aside and you only look at stats, say you didn't watch the game, he was your favorite going into the game. You see his stats. He threw for 363 yards and three touchdowns. If you're only looking at those numbers, does that game change your mind? Uh, to be honest, like in my opinion, I don't think that game would change my mind. In my opinion, this is who should win the Heisman. I think he is. Not only do I pretty much think he might be the best player in college football. I know Bama fans want to argue Bryce Young. That's a fair argument, whatever. But I think Caleb Williams is definitely 
if not top three, easy. And I think he's had the best season just straight up. I don't think one game should define your season, and I know it's a huge one. I know it was a championship game. But, again, I think you have to look at the circumstances he was playing under. I mean, again, I think he was, he was A, playing hurt. You were talking about how he didn't have three of his starting offensive linemen. Those interceptions were bad, but they were so uncharacteristic. And he's been, no offense, I don't want to say somebody's perfect, but he's been pretty much perfect every game of the season. So, in my opinion, I don't think that performance hurt him because I feel like you could go look at any Heisman uh, winner and go pick out like a, a low point in their season. Well, so. And it's the fact that he has a fourth-quarter interception and a, four, and a fourth-quarter fumble, and you look at that as, wow, that is so unlike him. Exactly. I feel like that almost speaks for itself. I think that almost it almost lines up with, with Feinbaum saying that Bama's dynasty is over after their two losses where both losses resulted in field stormings. I feel like they're almost like, what? Like, how does, how does that happen? So the fact that you have two turnovers in a game and – Everybody hits the panic mode because they've never seen it happen before. It definitely is credit to him. Uh, But we'll move down the line. The second quarterback is the Ohio State quarterback, C.J. Stroud, finished with 3,340 passing yards. He had 37 touchdowns and six interceptions. Other than Bryce Young, I would say that he was the preseason favorite. But then again, the question of not only looking very subpar against Northwestern the week before – uh, but then getting dominated at home against Michigan, does that sway voters away? I think it probably does. And I know I just, I literally just made this argument for uh, Caleb Williams saying I'm putting it, you on the spot. I'm, about to say I'm it, the one asking questions. I'm, this I'm, week. I'm about to say, I know this, this kind of sounds like I'm kind of flip flopping on my position that, like, oh, well, I, I didn't blame Caleb Williams for the bad game. And now I'm going to get on CJ Strode for that bad game. I think, I think they're just two totally different circumstances and different games. Also, no offense to CJ, but you're playing at home against your biggest rival who beat you last year, and you just didn't perform at all. It was just not very good. That's not to say that I think it's more of a – I think he's just going to get beat for the Heisman. I just think Caleb Williams had a better season. I think C.J. Stroud is a really good contender, and if he did end up winning, I wouldn't be like necessarily mad, but I think Caleb Williams is just – no offense. I think he's just a better candidate for it. And I think if C.J. wanted to win, if he would have beat Michigan and he would have had a heck of a game, I think – especially with what Caleb did this past Saturday, he'd have a really good argument. But since they both kind of did what they did, I think Caleb's just had the better season overall. Okay, okay. And we'll move on to someone that I don't I don't want to say he's my favorite to win, but you look at things, again, I've talked about it before, the intangibles that players have that aren't necessarily – Stat-wise, you're looking at leadership qualities. You're looking at, at just determination and, and, and heart to, to go out and lay everything that you have on the line. TCU quarterback Max Duggan, who didn't even start in week one. He lost the job over the summer. Uh, ironically, started the second half against Colorado in week one. Finished with 3,321 passing yards. 30 passing touchdowns, only four interceptions. He had 404 rushing yards and six touchdowns, so 36 total touchdowns. I hope he gets recognized. I hope he gets votes. I don't I don't think he's going to win. But just you're looking at if you, if you look at one numbers, that's that's one thing, but I feel like this trophy deserves to go to somebody who is the most impactful player on their team and you take you if you're looking at the number side it's Caleb Williams. But if you're looking at everything else 
from a, a leadership standpoint, someone that is literally uh, watching that Big 12 championship, even the announcers were talking about it like he doesn't slide when he's when he's running. He does not he does not slide. He takes the contact. He plays better with contact. When you're looking at his his arms and his legs, the medical staff is over looking at him every single time he comes off the field because he's got a strawberry or a bruise or he's bleeding on his left hand, stuff like that. I would love to play for that guy. And just the way that he leads his team, especially in the second half, I feel like that's when when the real character comes out because – you know, when things are going good, it's easy to be happy. But if you struggle in the first half, it, it takes a whole different side of things. It whole, takes a whole different mindset to to essentially say, you know what, I'm going to take over this game and I'm going to will us back to victory. And just that that final drive in the Big 12 championship, again, I don't want to say it's my is my, my favorite or my pick, but it sealed the the confirmation that he deserves a ticket and he deserves – some praise for what he's been able to do and just the fact that TCU is in the playoff. Uh, TCU was not even ranked to start the year, and I just think all the credit deserves – or all the credit goes to him and it should be deserved. Yeah, actually, I mean, I, I would love to give a different viewpoint on this, but I think if anybody is going to win over, C, uh, over Caleb, it would be Max because as what you just said, I think the Heisman is, is a different definition for everybody, and some people just look at stats. I think the Heisman – is who is the most important player on like one of the most important teams in college football. And in that argument, it's hard to say Max Dugan isn't the guy because, I mean, no offense, he is the heart and soul of that team. And he's a great player. And honestly, if he did win, I wouldn't be mad at all. I don't even think that would be a dig at Caleb Williams, even though I do think that's my favorite to win right now. But, again, I go back to that drive you are talking about. You think of Heisman moments. You think of Cam. You think of Cam's when when he that uh, run against LSU and he just he spiked into the ground. You're like that is the best player in college football. When Max was just running all over the field and he was beat up and he had that heart he showed. I really wish he would have won the game because I might if the, if he wins that game, I think you I think that's a very big shot that he does win the Heisman. Yeah. I think the fact that he lost, I think people are going to maybe not hold it against him, but I, I, it's not going to be that we'll add a plus. But he did bring TCU to the playoffs. So, again, if anybody were to beat Caleb Williams, I, I think Max would be the one, and I wouldn't be upset if he won it. I feel like he deserves it. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think that's that's one of the reasons why I was so angry with that play calling because it would have just been the cherry on top of a season. Uh, for, for a guy to bring a team – unranked to the college football playoff. I mean, you tell me that I think I think USC obviously would, took that extra step with Caleb Williams, but I don't think they would have fallen off the biggest cliff ever if Caleb Williams wasn't there because of the talent that they have at receiver and, play, and things like that. Obviously, TCU has that talent, but it goes very underlied by the rest of college football. So, uh, one player being able to bring out the very best in the rest of a team. I think that definitely goes for something. And I guess that goes against this next guy here, talking about the the questionable pick, I'll say that, Stetson Bennett. Uh, funny stat before we get into it, Lamar Jackson won the 2016 Heisman Trophy and has been in the NFL since 2018. Stetson is a Heisman finalist in 2022. Uh, they were both born in 1997. <laughs> so I feel like that's a... A funny way to look at it because Stetson is a grown man, uh, if you will. But 
I also think that everybody needs to stop the hate on him. Uh, I mean, we had this dude atop our imaginary Heisman charts, if, if that's worth anything, until like week eight. And that was because of, what, that one, uh, was it the Missouri game or whatever yeah, it was that yeah, he yeah, kind of yeah. struggled. And then we were kind of like, all right, let's pump the brakes yeah. a little bit. But you lead Georgia to a national championship. Uh, then you follow it up by going undefeated, winning the, winning the SEC championship and the number one team, possibly to another natty. Uh, three hundred, or I'm sorry, three thousand four hundred and twenty-five passing yards, twenty touchdowns, six interceptions, and seven rushing touchdowns. I think he deserves all the credit that he's that he's getting. Um, I don't. I, I like the pick. I like that he's there. Uh, I think that it's almost. I don't want to say a feel-good thing, but I think that this trophy it has to have the name of best player in college football. And I think that it's hard for Stetson to win the Heisman Trophy when you're on the best team in college football and you're not the best player. I actually totally agree with you. Unfortunately, we're going to have to take a quick break, but we are going to talk about Stetson for a little bit when we do come back. And then we will get into some transfer portal stuff, so that'll be interesting. I'm really looking to hear your thoughts on that, Christian, <laughs> but you are listening to Tell Talk on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back to Tailgate Talk on Weagle and 91.1 FM. We're going over the Heisman finalists, and we hadn't shared any of this information beforehand because we don't love to to talk about everything because we want to be able to have discussions on here. Over the commercial break, you said something that you don't think Stetson deserved a bid. Is that Yeah, and it's really nothing against him per se. I, I, I think he's a fine quarterback. Um I don't think he's overrated because I don't think people do think he's one of the more top-tier quarterbacks. But to me, again, this goes back to what we were saying with Max Dugan. Number one, I don't think he's the most important player on his team. And I don't even think maybe he's not even in the top five. Number two, I'm not trying to crap on him, but I think Georgia is the best team. And I think you could just take an average quarterback, which in all honesty, I think Stetson kind of is an average quarterback, and they would still be undefeated. So I honestly don't even think he should have got a bid. I know his stats are pretty good. He's looked lackluster, though, in a couple games against a bad teams. He looked really bad against Missouri, where they just didn't look good. Kentucky was another really ugly game. And I just think players like Hendon Hooker, for one, deserved a bit over him. I know he got hurt, but up until that point. And again, Blake Corum, the Michigan running back, was having a fantastic season. And you could have, I know it sounds bad, but you could have gotten another position in there that deserves a bid. So this isn't anything against Stetson Bennett, because he's a national champion, and he could be on his way to being a two-time <laughs> national champion as a starting quarterback, but no, I just don't. I don't think he really deserved it. But good on him for getting it. Yeah, I mean, I think him being named a finalist is—it's almost a figurative applause for him being the quarterback for the best team or the best offense in the country, or one of the best team. Or I'm sorry, not one of the very best team in the country. So I feel like it's almost like recognizing the fact that he is. I guess, in the role or in the position of what should be stardom. But then again, I think he's one of the bottom pawns in a much bigger game of chess. Uh, that's a great line right there. That is, Oh, that was good. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, a defense that allows just over 10 points a game and a running back room where there's three guys that are over 500 yards, I think that takes the limelight. Uh, but with that said, I'm I'm sure that's a, a problem that most players, uh, I think they would be willing to have. If you're if you're not in the limelight, uh, you win a national championship and you're on your way, you're on your way to possibly another one. Yeah, no, I think I think I would be pretty fine with that. But 
I mean, he's got to be thrilled, though. I mean, getting to go to New York and getting all that comes with being a Heisman finalist because I feel like we don't give enough credit to just the people that make it as a finalist. I feel like you look at the people that win it, and that's it. But, like, being named one of the five best players in the country because that's essentially what you're naming them, that's a huge honor. So, again, like, taking nothing away from him, I think he played – I think he played good enough to get there. I just think there was probably some more deserving names that should have gone over him. Yeah. Well, we're going to move ahead to uh, a brand new category, brand new being that just two days ago, uh, the transfer portal opened up. It's a, I guess you could say it figuratively opened. Uh, it opens two periods of time. It opened on Monday, on December 5th, and it's open until January 18th. I think that's like a 45-day span or something like that. Then it opens again from May 1st to May 15th. Just a little a little insight on stats. Last year, there were over 3,000 players that entered the portal, just over 3,000. Um, in day one, on Monday, almost 1,000 players entered their names into the portal. Big names, too, not just uh, walk-ons or guys that didn't play. I mean, there were starting quarterbacks, uh, Clemson quarterback DJ Uyangalele. There we go. You, that's how you say his name. <laughs> uh, uh, we've heard this name a couple times in the transfer portal. West Virginia's JT Daniels. Back on the market. Yeah. Uh, a, a, kind of a surprising one here. Oklahoma State Spencer Sanders. Yeah. I, I, I honestly wasn't expecting that. I was not at either. Someone that uh, I was kind of expecting. Uh, Texas quarterback, backup quarterback Hudson Card. We know. Uh, I think we have, there's a couple, couple names in that program that are going to be uh, Long term, those being Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning. Yeah. Uh, and then NC State's Devin Leary. So just a couple names. Those were all day one guys that that announced their names on the portal. And so the questions that I have for you, I like this episode. I get mm-hmm. to be the one to ask questions. I feel like it's usually you're the mediator asking me the questions. I'm giving stats and the hard opinions, and you're backing it up. We're moving on. Then we're moving on. Yeah. Uh, but I'm the one that gets to ask the hard questions this week. And so the questions that I have regarding the transfer portal, you know, what changes do you think need to be made with the portal, if any? Or do you think that it evens out a playing field that will benefit a 12-team playoff coming in 2024? As far as the changes, I, I think it's I think it's one of those things where I definitely don't think the transfer portal is near perfect, and I think it does need to change. But we were talking about this in my mass media law class on like where the line of libel is, um, and like how it's it's way too loose. But how much do you want to restrict it? Because then like you don't really know. So like I don't know the answer. I don't know what you do for the transfer portal. I don't know if you may if you make players stay two years at where they're at. Like if like if you go somewhere you have to be there two years and then maybe you can move on. But I feel like if you don't get a grip on this, it's just gonna be like a bidding war of like the the, the nation's best players. So like yeah. maybe you have a player that goes to I don't know. Let's just say, let's just say TCU and then Auburn, who has more money than TCU, they see a freshman quarterback that just played great at TCU. It's like, hey, we'll give you so much more money to come play at Auburn. Yeah. And then, like, no, like no offense, if I'm that kid, I'm you don't know if you're going to go to the NFL draft. I'm going to make my money. So it's it's, I think it takes a lot of loyalty out of the game too. Like you're not necessarily going for the coach of the program. And I know a, a lot of kids still will go for that kind of stuff. But I mean, it is kind of start, starting to turn into this business where like you're just going to go to the highest bidder. And so even if you do have like a successful season, you can just hop in the portal or whatever. And it also kind of, I don't know, I, I, this is an argument. I don't know if I technically agree with it, but I heard a lot that like maybe some players like maybe you lose your starting quarterback position. No, it's fine. I can just go hop in the portal and go play somewhere else where I will start. So I definitely don't think it's 
it needs to change what that answer is. I'd have to think more a lot about it. And honestly, I mean, I, I don't, I don't really know. Yeah, I feel like I feel like there's two things that I didn't even write down, but when you were talking, came to my mind from a couple of years ago, and they weren't necessarily revolving or regarding the portal, but more NIL money. It was a quote that Tim Tebow gave um, when he was talking about the the, the NIL situation, and, and it, it came when when you mentioned loyalty. Uh, I think Tebow talked about it a bunch of times, but it takes the legacy out of college football. It takes the Again, the passion of playing for the school that you want to play for, that you grew up dreaming playing for, and it turns it into a, you know, where can I make the most money? And when it comes to the portal like that, yeah, obviously the bigger names are going to get the bigger players, and that's just kind of how it is. I do think that it could even it out a little bit more, but I do, I agree. I think that it takes, it takes a lot of, a lot of loyalty away from a place, and it turns it. It turns it away from what I feel like college football is based off of, and that's just heart and the willingness of of players to overcome adversity. And regarding adversity, uh, there's a quote that Nick Saban gave a couple years ago when he was looking at high school kids, and it was, you know, if you're if you're a guy that went to three or four high schools over your four years because you couldn't play, like we don't want you because it shows that you didn't have any ability to to adapt and overcome any hardship. You just went and left and found an easier route where where you could play. And I feel like that's a really a really valid thing and a value and it should be a valued thing that that I feel like is lost in in the game with the portal and with the NIL. Yeah, God forbid I like give credit to Mac Jones, but you take a guy like Mac Jones who what he only started a season for Alabama yeah. and now he's the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots because of just one season like he 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 believed in what Alabama was doing and he stayed there and he committed his time and then he finally got to play. And then he won a national championship, and then he went on to get drafted in the first round by the New England Patriots. And I feel like those stories you see, those are going to be obsolete. Yeah. Because, like, oh, I'm not playing my first year, I'm gone. Or, oh, there's more money over here, see you later. And I don't blame, and I don't really blame guys for that. If you had the opportunity, like... Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily a player thing. It's almost just like... It's, it's not a player. It's yeah. just what, what it developed. So Yeah, so again, going back to it, I, I don't really know what the, the answer is, but the, there's got there's definitely got to be a better model than what it is right now. I don't know if that's, again, the two-year thing that I was saying or something. There's got to be some restrictions or whatever. You can't just hop in the portal year in and year out just for more money. Talking about Mac Jones, another player that comes to mind with Alabama is Jalen Hurts. Uh, I feel like that that name and that story, he obviously did transfer to Oklahoma for his, his grad year, but when he lost his job to Tua and he stayed – the whole year he stayed as a backup as <laughs> arguably one of the better players in the NFL now uh, but his ability to to handle that adversity and to step up when his name was called in that SEC championship and bring Bama back and to win that national or win the SEC championship I'm sorry I feel like that that's the kind of stories that we love in college football just to that that ability to overcome and to come against all odds and to end up on top on top of the mountain I feel like that's just such a a cool thing to hear and to learn about it's like such an inspiration and I feel like that is that is being lost a little bit here in the portal but once again I don't feel like it's a a player thing to be blamed at all it's almost a a foundation that's been built that's almost expectancy now and I feel like that can that can ruin ruin a whole lot of things we are going to take a short break before we give into a a mini preview of the college football playoff uh i think we're going to handle most of that for next week our final episode before christmas break but 
We'll get into it a little bit. We'll look at the teams and a couple questions that I have for Donovan regarding which teams got in and which teams didn't. But you're listening to Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back to Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1 FM. We're going to get into kind of uh, games, bowl games, especially the cultural playoff, obviously, next week. We'll kind of get into like the real heart of like the individual matchups. But we just want to do like a mini preview of like who got in, maybe why they got in, like what was the – what was the opposition for some other teams that maybe thought they got, you know, snubbed? So Georgia did get the number one seed with uh, Michigan at two, TCU at three. They did stay there even after a loss, and then Ohio State sneaked into that four spot because uh, obviously USC lost. So is that kind of how you thought it was going to play out after how Saturday played out? I think one and two were almost, you know, you could you could have chalked those teams in there two or three weeks ago. Uh, three and four were obviously the spots that were question marks. Uh, but as I mentioned last week, I think TCU could have lost a close one and still been in. Uh, and now that I'm looking at it, I love that they stayed at three. The fact that TCU and Ohio State have the exact same record and TCU's one loss came to a team that they already beat in the regular season. They lost a neutral site game by a field goal in overtime for their one loss. I don't think you can punish them more than you could punish Ohio State for getting blown out at home. So I love the fact that they stayed at three, and I do think the committee was right with getting with the fourth pick at Ohio State. Uh, I mean, obviously Bama had had a big argument, Saban's plea for uh, for why they should they should be in if they were going to be underdogs or if they were going to be favored. And I know that he got a little hate for that, and I'm not all for the hate. I mean, I understand that it might have been a little bit cringy or cheesy or whatever, but it's a coach trying to to say why his players should should play for a national championship. So I respect that. I don't necessarily – I feel like there could have been a different way, but I feel like even he might have gotten off the air and been like, oh, that was – I didn't feel that. Yeah, the Vegas odds argument, I don't, I don't like that argument at all. Like, just because we like we would be favored, so we should be in. Yeah. Well, I mean, no offense, but you could be the best team in the country, go 8-4. and four. Yeah. Should you, be, should you be in? That doesn't make any sense. Or you can have the best recruiting class in the country and <clears throat> go 5-7. and seven. Yeah. He might <laughs> – no, I did that. Speaking, no. speaking of, they lead they lead the transfer portal uh, after day one with eighteen players that transferred out. Just thought I should throw that out there. Maybe a couple of them come to Auburn. You know, you never know. Why we'll, we'll take you? We we don't mind talent here. But uh, no, it, no, I thought the committee got it right uh, it, with every pick. Obviously, Georgia, Michigan was number one. I know people. Some people were like, "Oh, maybe Michigan be one." Now, whatever. I, I don't think it's a big thing. And I know a lot of people wanted to see that Ohio State Michigan matchup in the semis. Uh, but I think you almost have to take that out of it. Like, that shouldn't even be a yeah. part of it. Yeah. Who should the four teams be? I think they got that right. Mich- uh, Georgia at one, Michigan at two. Uh, TCU, I I agreed with you. I didn't think they were going to do it, but they did. They they kept that fourth spot – I mean, that third spot in a close one. And then, obviously, I thought Ohio State should have got that fourth spot. I think the, the Bama pitch, especially for – well, we only lost two games because they we lost in the last play of the game two, uh, two times. Okay, that's fine. That, that's okay. I get that. But then who'd you beat? And I don't think you really beat anybody that credible. I mean, what, what was your best win? Ole Miss? Yeah. That was your best win. So, I mean, Ole Miss is a good team, but, like, what – Went one and three in their last four. So, I mean, I, I know I'm, – I'm sorry to Bama fans. This isn't even biased showing. This is just objectively. I just don't think – I don't 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 think you really had a strong argument to be in. I thought Ohio State had a much stronger argument. Their only loss came to Michigan, who is a top two team in the country <laughs> right now. So no, I think it shaped out pretty much how I thought it would. Yeah, one thing uh, I think it's always been a little bit of a question mark 
with with the committee picks, and I feel like we get a little bit of an answer, but at the same time, it just leads to more question marks. Uh, but I think one thing that was concreted in, which I guess you can take it for what it is, I think the committee definitely values a win-loss record over a strength of schedule record, and the quality losses. Because if that argument is between Ohio State and Alabama, what was Ohio State's best win? You can look at it as, well, I mean, honestly, what name? They beat Notre Dame in week one, who lost to Marshall the following week. Obviously, Notre Dame ended up with a pretty solid year, but there's not there's not a name that comes to mind when you're looking at the Big Ten, especially not the Big Ten West. Um, there's just so many teams that you can – I mean, it could just be the SEC bias, the little bubble that I'm looking in. But when you think of the division that Bama plays in, they play in the SEC West, I feel like there's four or five teams every year that in the beginning of the year are like, okay, we could have we could have a solid year. You're looking at LSU, you're looking at A&M, you're looking at Ole Miss, Arkansas in the beginning of the year, Bama, Auburn when they're good. I mean, that's a pretty solid solid strength of schedule that you're having to play every single year. So if you're looking at those two losses, you can take them for what they are. But I think it, it proves that the committee likes their win-loss win record rather than the strength of schedule. I think it also helps, and it kind of stinks that one side of the Big Ten is so bad. Yeah. But I think it really helps that Penn State had a good year. Uh, they uh, they did beat them. I think Penn State finished at nine. Uh, that's that's what it, I just pulled up. Didn't know that. But they, uh, Penn State finished at nine, so – that or at least in the AP people. Um, I don't know where they're at in the college football playoff, but so I, that would be Ohio State's best win. Penn, That's right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Penn State. Well, I think they went nine and three, so that's a solid year. So I guess technically you could say that uh, Ohio State had a better best win than Bama, but then it does go back to we'll look at the conferences who you could play, and I think then I think it kind of does get into a bias and it's hard. And as an SEC, uh, I, I go for Auburn, and I do think we play in the hardest conference the SEC West and all college football and I don't even think it's close um I do like to make that argument when it's Auburn on the chopping block and when, when I'm going against Bama I'm like no you gotta you gotta you gotta <laughs> think about everybody else yeah. but no I'm trying to be objective here and it's just honestly I just you, you look at who they lost to I, I think it also matters who Bama lost to they lost to um they lost to Tennessee who obviously were having a great year by that point and then kind of stumbled but Hendon Hooker getting hurt uh, hurt, but also LSU don't really think that's that good of a loss. I think that hurts you a good bit, especially as you've seen LSU just get blown out by Georgia in the SEC championship game. And I don't really care. I don't. I don't want to hear excuses how you lost. You lost to them. <laughs> so I, I, I think for the fact that you did lose to LSU, um, that's why you didn't get in. And guess what? If you win one of those games, if that one of those plays goes differently, that's on you. You're in it. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, if I don't, I don't have any sympathy. You have nobody to blame but yourself. Yeah, it's the same thing we talked about earlier with with Utah. They finished nine and three, but if they would have won their two games that they lost by a field goal, I think they would have a legitimate spot or shot at that fourth spot, especially with the Pac-12 champion over their head and Ohio State and Bama not having even an, an appearance in their conference championship. Uh, there is one question I meant to ask you in the last segment with the portal, and I feel like that's it's a, it's 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 a funny question. But I kind of want to see where you go with it, and I guess we're this will be the final thing here. Um, but with with the portal, if if I'm if I'm a top player and I am questioning coming to Auburn, I want to know your legitimate pitch for for why Auburn 
is a top school that I should go to. Well, honestly, I think you, I think you started out with like that kind of look at our new facilities we just got. Okay. We're bringing in the new coaching staff. We're, keep, we're keeping on Cadillac and all that. I think we have one of the best nil places uh, nil deal places in the country. I think I think we're probably top five when it comes to just how much money we can give to somebody. So you have top notch facilities. You have top. You have uh, you have the money that goes along with it. You have a proven head coach. But I think the main thing that makes Auburn traf- attractive, and I think it's always made Auburn attractive, is the fan support. And I think if I said, I said, why don't you just go look back last season? When we were three and six. Why don't you go, just go watch that A and M game? Just go watch it and just watch how the fan base was fired up for a again a three or sorry three and five team. So I think it's I think this is the combination. I think we've got the tradition, we've got the loyalty, we've got the fan base, and then we've got everything else you need. Which we didn't have that. Uh, I think the NIL, I think it hurts in a lot of places. And I think overall it's probably not great for college football, but it helps places like Auburn because we do have that kind of money that we can just kind of throw around. And I think that honestly, if you're looking for a place where you can thrive, best facilities, you want a good fan base, you want to play at the biggest stage in college football, I mean, you can make this argument for like LSU, Bama, and Georgia too, but you can also make that for Auburn. I feel like they're in that little like spot with them, so that w- that would be my pitch to them. Okay, all right, I like it. Yeah. I, I don't. I just wanted the wanted to hear that. Give an open ended question, but that does that does conclude our hour on today's episode of Tailgate Talk on Weagle ninety one point one FM. We have one more show next Wednesday before Christmas break. Uh, where we're going to break down the college football game or playoff games as well as the New Year's Six Bowls. So make sure to tune in for that. Uh, follow us on Twitter at underscore tailgate talk in case we are able to release a couple episodes over Christmas break. I don't know if that's necessarily possible, but if we can find a time and somehow just get it in here to 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 upload or whatever, we're definitely gonna we're definitely gonna try to. But regardless, we definitely have one more week concreted in there until January. Uh, if you haven't, check us out on Spotify. Simply type in Tailgate Talk in the search bar, and there you can listen to any of our previous episodes and keep up with us for all of our weekly ones. For Donovan Weaver, I'm Christian Griffin, and we'll see you all next week. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Tailgate Talk with Christian and Donovan. Tune in next week, same time, same place, Wednesdays at 3, for your weekly dose of college football.